Aloha, Shervin here, and welcome to The Waking Hour. This is our moment in time to wake the fake up from the illusions that are holding us back from living in our full power. As Alvin Toffler said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read or write, but those who cannot unlearn the many lies that they have been conditioned to believe and seek out the hidden knowledge that they have been conditioned to reject. I invite you all on a journey of self-exploration where together we unlock the keys to living the best life ever. All right, here we go. Wake the fake up. This is going to be an exciting episode for myself personally. I hope everybody enjoys this, mainly because this is one of my biggest passions when it comes down to permaculture, soil science, and even deeper than that, connecting to the essence of our earth. Most most people know that my background is, you know, stems from a Waldorf education, stems from biodynamics and Rudolf Steiner's anthroposophy on so many areas and aspects of going into the super sensible world, looking at things as a philosophy and as a living ecosystem versus just as a one-step manipulation to get an outcome. This is fully entrenching your soul, mind, body, and all your energy into something that is so worthwhile, which is basically our ability to survive and to stay healthy and to thrive. So I'm really excited about this guest. We have Steven Brooks. He's coming out of Costa Rica right now. We got him on the live Zoom. I've heard about Steven Brooks many times from my cousin, David Wolf, Avocado. I also learned about him from my boy, Gray, who's down in Costa Rica all the time. And his family's the one that got that water spring over in Idaho, Rising Springs. And It's just interesting that our paths have led us to this moment because I think it's a perfect time to really bring awareness. And I've seen and listened to some of his his talkings and where his perspective is. I really want to go deep into the conscious aspect of what it means to grow your own food and what it means to basically create communities where we're really thriving. That seems to be the new thing, especially with this COVID stuff. Everyone's trying to get out of the urban sprawl. This is the best news ever. Stephen Brooks, how are you, my man? Best day ever, man, right here, living the dream. I, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey. You know, it's like sometimes when you dream really big and you feel like you're living amongst the world of zombies and now it just looks looking around, it's like all of a sudden there's just people all around are, are, are tuning in and, and realizing that wow, this system is so broken. And so, and so our whole society is so injured and that it's causing so many things that aren't working. So how, what can we do about it? Like what's, what can we on a person, individual level day to day to a community level and a macro level over the next 20, 30 years. So just to kind of rewind a little bit, I grew up in North Miami, Florida in the suburbs. And what is the suburbs? You know, it's like, who designed the suburbs it was kind of like a it was kind of a response to the crowded cities you know people were like wait a minute i want a garden or i want to have a dog or i want to be able to have a little bit more space so the suburbs came out and it wasn't like it was designed and founded by mr john suburb it just 
kind of happened on and and it's kind of the way the whole world has unconsciously happened. it was an unconscious city planning development yep go ahead exactly no intention and so what what happened is we lost that commute through the city where we see people and wave all of a sudden it was from our house to our car to our car to the store store back to the car back to the house and 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 you know it reminds me in 1994 i did a semester in sevilla spain and uh i lived with this elderly woman that i called abuela and it was so interesting because every day I would go or every couple of days I'd go with my abuela shopping and she was so great, man. She never had like regular clothes. She only wore a nightgown, just like this one piece nightgown. And her and I, we'd walk down into the street and be like, hola, abuela, hola, Mario. We'd walk a little bit more. Hola, abuela, hola, Maria. I was ready, I was ready for her to be like, hola, big bird, hola, snuffleupagus. <laughs> what is this freaking Sesame Street? Why is everybody so nice? Yeah, everyone knew Why each other. It just felt so profound. And then we would get to the store. And as we turn the corner, the shopkeeper is already like packaging exactly what she wants. And my abuela didn't even have pockets to get a money to get her money or to, she never even signed anything. And she hugged the shopkeeper. Why? Because it was probably her cousin or her nephew or her grandson's best friend. And this relationship between the consumer and the seller this relationship between the in, like the the person and their food, and now I'm gonna re, I'm gonna fast forward a few years till I was already living in Costa Rica, and I had this dear friend named Rolf Ruge. Rolf Ruge, may he rest in peace. He was actually one of the designers of my house, but he was also the founder of the of Feria Verde. The Feria Verde is the organic market here in San Jose, and it's honestly it's one of the best organic markets in all of Central and South America. It's epic 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 and every day his house was kind of like the epicenter of the ecological movement here in costa rica wow. so anyone who was doing anything cool in costa rica they would always end up at his house for lunch and i'll never forget those lunches because he was the founder of the market so his table was just like the most up epic collection of foods and he would start he would start every meal by saying no hay ningún ingrediente en mi mesa que no conozca el nombre y apellido del productor there is not one ingredient on my table that I don't know the the first and last name of the producer. Yeah, absolutely. And then he would proceed. He would proceed. Oh, those tortillas. The corn was grown by Carlos Gomez. He, and the tortillas were made by his wife, Esmeralda. Oh, and that cucumber and tomato salad. Oh, yo, yo, Mario. My friend Mario from, from Finca de, de la Loma. And he would just literally go around the table as if he was introducing you to his family, yep. to his best friend. Meanwhile, he was introducing you to freaking plates of food on his table. Yep. But what you're was- what you're speaking on is exactly, you know, it's part of my intro to multiple lectures that I've given that 120 years ago in North America, in the United States, they say about 95% of the population had a direct relationship to the food that they ate, meaning either they grew it or their neighbor grew it or their cousin grew it or someone grew it. So they knew where it was coming from. Today, less than a quarter of one eighth of a percent have that same connection to the food that they're eating. Now, immediately the visceral reaction is, wow, we're getting, you know, monocropped foods, foods that aren't sustainable, foods that are being shipped from all over the place. The food is, you know, depleted. There's no nutrients in it. But ultimately, what I think is that the energy of mankind who has anointed themselves as the steward of the land, which we have done, is not putting their love back into the earth. That means so many people have been distracted and pulled away from the essence of what we are. And I like to say we've forgotten what we've forgotten. Can you speak on that? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think food carries so much more than the nutritional facts can say. You know, it's like our scientists, they love to, oh, we have carbohydrates and fats and proteins. And, you know, food carries frequency. It carries love. It carries history. It carries story. You know, all these plants out here, they're singing their beautiful song. I'm, I am literally engulfed right now, everybody that's watching, in a symphony Woo! of beautiful <laughs> plant song. And it's buzzing all around me. I, I know that song, by the way. It's a good one. It's a we, good one. It brings tears out. Good. It brings tears out every time I get on the land. I feel yeah. it. They're alive. They're part of us. Yeah. So this this relationship with the song, you know, I, I'm going to tell a quick story. That are you familiar with Wade Davis, the ethnobotanist? He's one of my favorites. No, I'm not. He wrote a book called One River. I strongly recommend it. Or watch his TED Talk. One River. One River. Okay. Well, that's like my favorite. He wrote many books, but that's the Bible. Anyway. He, when I, one time I was sitting with him at a, at a con, we were both speaking at the same conference and he's at my table and I was like totally starstruck. Like he's just my, one of my heroes. And he started telling us this story. He was like, yeah, I was at this uh, ethnobotany conference. And, and by the way, for those that don't know, ethnobotany is the study of the relationship between human beings and plants, this vast, deep relationship that we have. And he was at this ethnobotany conference in, in Colombia, which was very interesting because you had like, you know, the top botany scientists from Duke and from Harvard and from Stanford and from Princeton. But then you had like shamans from Brazil and from Colombia and from Ecuador and from Venezuela. And, uh, and they start talking about ayahuasca and they started talking about the vine, the ayahuasca vine, the Banisteriopsis copy. And they had like the indigenous, one of the indigenous shamans brought eight different varieties because there's one of the botanists were saying I don't that that there that there are no known varieties of ayahuasca and, and the shaman brought eight different ones he's like this is called blanco this we call humo this we call um, tigre these are all the different varieties and then all the scientists they come out with their little magnified loops and they're looking at the flowers and they're looking at the new leaves and like very arrogantly the one of the professors says oh, I'm sorry shaman but those are all the exact same variety we just we just sent it to the lab for the test and we looked at it in our little loop. So then the indigenous shamans look back at the, at the professors and chuckle and say, ha, 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 are you not listening to the way they sing? <laughs> That's right. Secret life of plants, best ever. It's like, so scientists, like what you were saying, it's like scientists have tried to, you know, identify all of the science behind food. You know, and now we go to the market and the food looks so gorgeous, yet it's so devoid of nutrition because there's only so much of these elements in soil. And if we're going to keep stripping land and keep harvesting and taking and taking and taking and taking and taking, you know, eventually we're going to be growing food that's void of those nutrients. Which, you know? which is where we are right now. And thank you for totally. telling that story. I mean, that's, that's such a good example of how modern scientism has removed the essence of this magical world. And we've almost lost ourselves into this new fake doctrine, this new fake religion. And I'm not against science. I'm a spiritual scientist. My perspective is that we can prove through quantum entanglement how powerful this life is and how magical this life is. But when we get into the scale of economies, something that t happened in the turn of the 19th century and the early 20th century, we get into a state of affairs that we're in right now where it's become a commodity and the commodity is just to supply 
you know, calories as opposed to understanding the essence of what food is. And like you just said right there, the soil has been depleted. We're not doing the natural 12-year cycle. We're hitting it with herbicides, fungicides, larvicides, insecticides, glyphosate, all of these chemicals. We're, we're, the, the farmer has not been given the, um, the ability and the ammo needed to have the intention of growing food in a, in a system that's eloquent to syntropy, which is creating balance and harmony so food can thrive on itself and you don't need to you know, masquerade as someone that's breaking it apart and stripping it of this and adding this to this. So it's not a, it's not confusing to know why we're in the state of affairs we are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, our health systems, all of the systems are falling apart in front of us right now. We could see it right now in the, right now in you know 2021. What are we doing about it? What are you doing about it? You know, is it is it just education? Do we just have to educate people? Can someone listening to this right now make a difference? Is it or is it just like eff it? You know, the, what else am I going to do? I don't have a, I don't have a shot. What what are your thoughts on that? So yeah, you know, I want to I want to rewind a little bit back to 1995. I came down to Costa Rica and I witnessed a playground full of indigenous children get sprayed by a Chiquita banana crop duster. And it was like emergency break on my life. Like what in the hell is going on? And what are we going to do? I was trying to start to point my finger. Is it this guy name whose name rhymes with dump? Is it Monsanto? Is it Chiquita banana? Is it dole point, point, point? And then, and then I just said, wait, this is me. Yeah. I've been spacing my Chiquitas into my cereal in the morning my entire childhood. I've been spraying these children. I've been voting for that. And so it was in that moment I realized, wow. So where I your was, energy goes, your attention flows, that instead of making a polarized, this this is the demon entity, this is the corporatocracy, this is the evil one. I mean, we, we kind of know what's happening. Now it's like, okay, let's get sovereign and do something about it. Yeah, so... So the first thing I did was I started a company to bring high school and college students from the States and from Canada and from Europe to Costa Rica to show them how beautiful and magical Costa Rica was, the jungles and the people and the cultures, but also to show the reality, the reality of the rainforest destruction, the reality of the cultural decimation, the reality of the multinational industrial agricultural hell that was just wreaking havoc on the ecosystems. And and I wanted to show them, like, I like the tour, like, look what's happening here. And then I wanted to show solutions. So that's where our farm, Punta Mona, came about. We purchased originally 30. Now it's grown to a little over 90 acres right on the beach, on the Caribbean side, on the east side, right near the Panama border. And it had no road to get there. So here I was a kid from the suburbs. And all of a sudden I had to think about, okay, where's my water going to come from? Where's it going to go when I get it dirty? Where's my electricity going to come from? Where's my food going to come from? How are we going to heal ourselves? What are we going to build with? We didn't have a hardware store. We didn't have anything. We wow. were the only ones out there. So all of a sudden we were forced off the grid to start living in ways that we could walk lightly. And also we were in such tight relationship with everything that came in and everything that came out in permaculture In permaculture, we call it Eroy energy returned on energy invested. So we were so clear on what was coming in and what was going out and what were we feeding people and what kind of garbage were we making and what kind of, you know, what were we having to bring in for our farm and what kind of things were we having to buy? So and efficiencies, kind of, efficiencies, yeah, right? Redundancies exactly. and efficiencies. So you're not wasting one BTU of energy, which some people might not see fully what, what he's talking about. What he's talking about is how do we make something thrive and, and put our soul into it and get our mo get the most return on it. So there's balance in it. And, and just one more thing, this whole thing that you did, 
coming from raw, you know, developing on raw land, you got to take a boat to it. There's no hardware store. Did you see yourself like grooming your inner faculties and literally seeing a whole new side of you of epigenetics implode and then ultimately expand because of this getting your hand in there and doing it yourself? I don't know if I did all that. I don't know. I just know. I just know from the core simplistic level, I wanted. I, so when I first moved there, I met this elder Jamaican Caribbean guy. He was Costa Rican, but he was a Afro-Caribbean Jamaican. It was born. He, when I first met him, he goes, my cord is buried right out there in the yard, boy. Oh, His wow. was buried. That's and he was bad. old. When I met him, he was 68. He died in my arms at 83. Wow. And uh, he was like the quintessential old man by the sea. Like he only ate what he grew and caught from the ocean. And he like, and when I met him, I knew that I wanted to learn from him and bring my student groups there and have that interaction with him. And, uh, and so that, that's what felt really, really important and potent to learn what it might live like to what it might feel like to walk lighter and to experience, create that experience for the students. Now to fast forward a little bit, and that's when I got into plants. The first, like kind of the gateway plant for me was this uh, plant called Chaya or Maya, Mayan tree spinach. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It's a, you grow it from cutting. Literally, this guy gave it to me. So when I first- It's moved poisonous, to, right? Unless you cook it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I first got to Punta Mota, all I was eating was fish, yucca, plantains, you know, and, and I was like Bubba Gump. I was eating it in every possible way, <laughs> you know, like fish cakes. Plantain mats, you know, yo, you also had you, you know, and, and the thing is, is like, I'm from Miami, man. I was eating Thai food one night, Chinese food the next night, Italian food. And then here I was living in the jungle, eating three ingredients. And so when my friend gave me this one cutting of chaya, it radically changed my life all of a sudden, because he gave me one stick, I had unlimited steamed greens. So what did I start doing? I started traveling around the world, exploring culture and food and useful plants and started collecting plants. Now Punta Mona has one of the largest collections of useful plants in the world. We have everything from, from smells to dyes to shelter to, to wood to bamboo to food to medicine. All the plants that we can find that make life better. And then like Noah's Ark style. So diversity, start- essentially. Diversity. Exactly. This is and unbelievable. What I started realizing was, okay, after 10 years, this is a great example. This is a great school educational farm but we got to do more we got to start working to create communities and so my dad was just retiring from 35 years of being a dentist and he and i started a small fund we raised some money and we bought the land where we are sitting right now check it out 17 hectares this 46 acres of land that is now called la ecovia where i'm sitting right here talking to you if you're just and on a podcast, you can't see this, but on the YouTube video, uh, you'll see uh-huh. his background. This is kind of like our our spot in Kauai on the North Shore. That's like his lanai right there. He's literally, literally yeah. sitting in the center of Jurassic Park, and those foods are the, everything growing is food, right? Essentially, to whatever, however we define food, and that's, I mean, that's the best ever. I mean, so you traveled all around the world. You're you're from Miami, so you're tra- at this point you're traveling all around the world. And you're linking up with indigenous or you know growers in, in whatever respective areas, and you're taking things and 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 bringing it with intention to start its own embodiment and its own life cycle in Punta Mona in Costa Rica. And you've been doing that, for, yeah, food forest. Yeah, and so so this spot, it was like, wait a minute, 
how can we live, how can we merge where we live with what we eat? And so here where I'm sitting right now, there's 45 families living here from 22 countries. We have 50 children in the school that the parents co-created and it's thriving. It's totally thriving. And I knew it wasn't enough. I know 45 families is great. And I, just to say like living here right now during, during these crazy pandemic times, it's been a freaking dream. I'm in 50 different WhatsApps, whether I want a massage, whether I need coconut water, whether I want organic cashews, whether I need organic vegetables from the highlands, whether I need organic fruits from the lowlands. Every single day, there's trucks coming here. Why? Because we're 45 families. We need to start a school for our children on our own. It would be impossible. But we got 45 families to co-create that with. We got to take care of our elders. We got 40. What are we going to do with our 80-year-old parents? Throw them in an old age home? No. Now we have 45 families that can try to figure out and work together to come up with solutions. So about so everyone's years, bringing so everyone's bringing something to the table, and because it's so intertwined and so interconnected on an emotional level, like people are actually present. Can you believe that? You guys are eating together, holding each other, growing food together, loving on each other, expressing with each other. So everybody's invested into the group. So now you have a centropic situation where it's not one person who's just feeding off, or it's parasitic or vampiric. It's thriving in that sense, and now the opportunity is to really starting to expand and go and go even further out. Well, so three years ago, we bought the property. And at the same time we started Ecovia, we bought another 25 hectares. I don't know. Do you know Matthew Human? I know he's good friends with David. Yeah. Matthew, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know of him. We've had a, maybe a conversation or two. Yep. Matthew Human's up the street from me right now in Taco Tall, which is another 25 hectares, another 25 families. And then three years ago, we bought um, 70 hectares, another 170 acres. That's called Alegria Village. And Alegria Village, um, I was, I got, thank the Lord, I was on this TV show with Zach Efron. Down to earth, who, down to earth. Yeah, yeah I know Darren. I know Darren. Darren was, was my friend, reached out to me. He's like, yeah, I'm coming down with this child actor. I didn't even know who Zach Efron was. He's like, I'm coming down with this child actor to, to and we want to come visit you in Costa Rica and we want you to take us around and show, show us what you're doing. So I did, and it ends up becoming one of the, the number one show globally on Netflix. Right at the time when we're launching this project, we've literally sold 127 of the 140 lots in the last seven months. Wow. So you're building an actual eco village residence and you've sold 99% of them? Yeah. And this is, I mean, basically it's, it's right next to this one. So now it went from a small eco village to now it's a full on town and we're having, we're building a restaurant and a health food store. And the, you know, the problem here was 45 families sounds like a lot, but there wasn't enough 12 year olds. There wasn't enough people into ceramics that could form that could, you know, support having a kiln. There wasn't enough, you know, so now with this addition and this many more families, we're radically expanding. And as and all of this is part of a bigger vision. And now now let's this is where we're really gonna drop yeah, in. Yeah, let's do and it. And it's called it's called 1001, redesigning the earth a thousand and one hectares at a time, merging merging conservation, reforestation, regenerative agriculture, education, and community. And so basically what we're doing, I was sitting in my, in my dad's Prius in Miami, listening to Sirius radio. And it was like this TED radio. And this guy was talking about climate change. And he was just like, you know, climate change, this climate change, that who's going to lead us out of this. Who's the leader against, you know, is it Al Gore? Is it, is it Greta? You know, who's, you know, and then, <laughs> And then how can we actually do something that makes a difference? Like if we bring our cloth bags to the grocery store, how is that going to help the polar bears? Or how is that going to affect the ice caps melting? Like what do we, what like is Like real uh, tangible shit to do 
which actually resonates so a soul can actually make a contract with self and actually do it in the physical world. Is that what you're talking about? Well, you know, what is a big enough project that actually makes a difference? So I started thinking about it and it hit me on that drive. Let's go with a thousand and one. Let's go with a thousand hectares. And then my friends goes, oh, don't do a thousand. Do it one, one with the infinity sign in the middle. Yeah, 1, perfect balance. What is that? 2,500 acres? My, what's my yeah, math? 2,400 acres. Exactly. 2400 acres. Okay. And, uh, and the idea... The idea, it all just comes down to percentages. So the criteria when seeking the land is that the, the property will be somewhere between, you know, five and 15 or 20% existing forest. So most of the land has already been deforested. Ideally, it's like it's in cattle, yeah. you know? Yeah. So then we come in and we want to do 30, 40% reforestation. So we first thing we want to do is conserve what's existing. Then we want to do radical reforestation on three to 400 hectares. That's oh, 1,200 acres. That's That's, ever. that's Massive. Meanwhile, we have Rainforest Alliance and Rainforest Action Network, but who's actually doing a thousand acres of native plants and reforestation? So that's the first thing. And, we, and then we want to plant beyond our borders. So this is in mainly Costa Rica. This is what you're talking about in Costa Rica, right? Well, we're trying to create a replicable model here in Costa Rica that's already existing, including what we've done here with Ecovia, sure. including Cacotal, including Alegria. And now we're about, we're purchasing all the properties around us. We're actually just about to open start the 1001 land fund to start purchasing all the properties around us to start doing the reforestation, to start doing the regenerative agriculture. And then imagine you have three to 400 hectares of regenerative agriculture. That's a massive amount of food. So what do we do? We start setting up the state of the art food processing facilities so we can start selling breadfruit flour. We could start all the different, you know, frozen pulps. We have all the cacao and all the manila and all the black pepper and all the things that that come from the food forest, all perennial foods. And, uh, and that I think is an important thing. It's like, when we think about, when we think about diets, like you, you, especially with your cousin, who was like the leader of one of those phases, you know, in the seventies, people were like the hippies and the in tune people that went macrobiotic in the eighties, they went vegetarian in the nineties, they went vegan. And then they went raw 2000s. They started going raw. Oh yeah. No, and then in two, the 2010s, what did they do? They went paleo, and what is it? What's the new ketogenic and no, macro diets? No. All of them, yeah. What is the next evolution of that? Is perennial diet. We yeah. all need to shift to a perennial diet, eating foods that are from perennials because annuals. Every year, you got to come back in. And, yeah. Constant, constant fruiting fruits, constant harvesting, you know, herbs, all of that. And th that's, that's my, my, my lifestyle. I'm a qualitarian and I'm not sure if you've heard of that before. Um, but I believe in set, uh, intentional eating with everything and knowing where it comes from. That's why I support all my local farmers around here. I, how do I get in on this deal? I mean, this is right up my wheelhouse. Um, yeah, no, it's happening. I mean, you're going to come down in the next month. I can't wait to show you. Um, and then the last piece that I just wanted to, so a year ago, I started a project called Ecoversity and we've been teaching online permaculture courses and herbalism courses. And we did another one called Embody Your Purpose. And now the idea of the Ecoversity is how can we start training the next generation and the next, the people that are ready to have the toolkit to be a part of this global redesign. So, um, the next kind of one big piece of this where I can really see you fitting in with a whole pod, it's called Eterna, which means eternal. And we're looking at 108 hectares next door right now. And on this 108 hectares, we're going to have all these micro communities. So Amanda Sage and Alex Gray and Chris Dyer and all these visionary artists, they're going to have the art residencies. So people aren't traveling for a week for a retreat anymore. It's all about residency. So we have the art residency by Amanda Sage. Then we have the circus residency by our friends from Momentum Collective that have been doing it at Punta Mona. 
And then we have the yoga from, we've been working with this group called Kula Collective that does yoga teacher trainings around the world. They're going to run the yoga collective. And then we're going to have the um, Ecoversity campus there. Then we're also building the Earth Leadership School, which we're working with a dear friend of mine who is one of the uh, kind of the creators of the curriculum at the Green School in Bali that's creating the Earth Leadership School, which is the boarding regenerative high school. You know, and then we have the music. We've been working with our dear friends, musicians, Porangi. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah, Porangi. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, he's just down here. We were just walking the land. And David Satori from Beats Antique. Yeah. And, and so everyone who's in their mastery, that's chosen their full dharma, that realizes that this is not just you know some end destination. This is embodiment of the entire journey. Instead of like you know some random festival here or there where we go there, we blast off. You know, we, we all fall in love with each other. We we do a couple workshops. You're talking about is. full balanced ecosystem embodiment. Mm -hmm. And then once we're in this you know kind of reality. Where does that lead us to? You know what I mean? So like, what imagine, are the possibilities? Imagine it's basically a community of micro communities. And then five, six times a year, we could do a 1500 person event put on by all these, these the, the music residency is running the music and the sound. The yoga is, is running the yoga. The circus is running the performance. The ecoversity is running all the education. You know, and then we're just constantly having these events on land that we co that we co-create amidst food forests and regeneration in the middle of 1001. So Eterna is one spoke in the 1001 macro vision. And that's really what like literally I right before this call, I was on a call, you know, kind of finishing up the business plan for starting to really invite people into this dream, you know, and somebody could invest in the macro fund, which is the 1001 land fund. Somebody can invest in Eterna, which is the event space. Or if somebody's like a big fan of Amanda Sage or a big fan of Horangi and wants to be part of the music residency, they can invest. Cause this is basically just like, imagine there's like eight retreat centers all on this 108 hectares. And then in the middle is the event space. So, so mean, excited. I mean, this is everything. This is what I stand for. So in my previous career, so I'm the founder of Symbiotica. And in my previous career, I had a hedge fund slash brokerage called Black Diamond Group that we turned into Green Diamond Group. And I don't know if you know this, Stephen, I'm not sure if David have told you, but I was working with uh, the United States Green, Bu Green Building Council and uh, you know, leadership in energy, environmental design. I was, I was basically going to every bank and financial institutions and telling them that, you know, instead of just looking at building green for a moral reason, there's a financial aspect too. And my intention was to wake them up. So they understood that we can't just build stuff into this built environment without any intention. And this all, this all came on the heels after, you know, living in the jungles of Peru and going through a lot of ceremony and a lot of deep work and then spending time in Kauai for almost six months straight. I just had that kind of revelation. And that's how I, you know, created Symbiotica, which is me going around the world, sourcing raw materials from the indigenous and putting it together and showing people truth with transparency. This is what it's all about. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling like, you know, sometimes I'm feeling left out or I'm feeling like I'm not part of some movement or I'm feeling like I'm caught up in the, we call Steiner's anthroposophy, the aramonic deception, which is this material world that we're just flesh and bone and we're not here to thrive. We're not here to have consciousness. We're not here to connect. You know, this could be an opportunity to start getting outside of that dogmatic behavior and that amnesia and waking up. And that's what the whole point of these conversations are, is to inspire and to show you that people are out there doing that.
And it, it wasn't some random thing that happened. It took perseverance and it took a little intestinal fortitude and it, it took an opportunity to, to network and to meet the right people and to do things that you love to do because you have to love it. Now, what you're talking about, it's not for everybody. Some, You know what I mean? There is a per- percentage of the, of the world that that's their karma. They're doing whatever they're doing and that's just part of the, the whole natural process. But if you're listening to this and this is inspiring you, like it's inspiring me, maybe the next step you want to do is learn, get some education going, learn about what permaculture is, learn about what biodynamics is, learn about soil science, learn about what's going on in other parts of the world, how they've been doing it since day one. We didn't just wake up one day and it was the 21st century. There's so much ancient practices and wisdoms that we've lost along the way. I think that's why we're having this huge renaissance towards psychedelic medicines, especially if it's done in the right way with the right people in the right containers. It's getting back to the roots of who we are that we've lost along the way through pain, trauma, and all the traumatic incidents that are going on in this world. So I definitely want to be part of this this whole thing. So just real quick, what's the next step for me? I got to just get down there, meet you, hug you, and and learn what's happening, put my feet in the soil? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, that's the reality is like, we're not just like, we're not looking for just anyone. We're looking for people that are really ready to dive in, in a way, you know, permanent. I'm a permaculturist. Perm- permaculture comes from permanent culture. And it's like, this is the time to co-create. I want to, I want to tell a final story. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I keep thinking back to my dear friend, Charles Eisenstein, who did that right, right. As uh COVID came out, he wrote an essay. Are you familiar with Charles Eisenstein? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he wrote this uh, essay right, right. As COVID came out, it was called the coronation. And he, he talked about, he spoke about this this idea where he's so many times in his life where he all of a sudden he felt like, oh my God, it's actually really happening. Everybody's waking up. Oh my God, it's it's really happening. And then all of a sudden he starts getting closer and it's a mirage and yeah. it just fades away. And I could really relate to that. Like I, it happened to me in 2001, I went to Burning Man for the first time. Before 2001, I was down here just working on Punta Mona and trying to teach the students. And I felt like I, I was like literally as walking in a world of zombies. And then in 2001, I went to Burning Man for the first time. And about a month after Burning Man, I went to the Bioneers Conference. And the Bioneers Conference was in Northern California. And this guy, Paul Hawken, was speaking. And I, he know gave Paul. This, I know Paul yeah, very well. He, he gave this incredible talk, yeah, man. Yeah. At the end of it, everybody was just like, oh, my God. And then the talk, have you ever, you Bioneers, you come out of the hall and there's all these different, everyone kind of descends on this like big courtyard. And I'm looking around, I'm looking at everybody's eyes and it just felt like collectively, holy shit, we are on the verge of it happening. Yeah. And then what happened? It was a mirage. So let's not let it be a mirage anymore. Let's really, really come together. You know, it's like in the US and in Canada and Europe, I'm finding it so hard. And I want to just say like from a real place of humility and vulnerability, like I don't think like I felt for a long time, like, I don't want people to think like, Oh, I I want you to just come join my project in Costa Rica because you know, come, it's me. It's all about me, you know, but I know I find it really hard to do these things in the U S I find it really hard. It's hard to do anywhere, but if you're having to fight bureaucracy and you're having to fight government and you're trying to can't get permits here in Costa Rica, it's happening and we welcome you. And, and it's been, it's been quite a journey and I feel so confident that, the time is now, if not us, if not now, when, if not us, who? You. you. <laughs> oh, wow. That reminds me of Peru. You know, what you just said, it it got the hairs on my back of my neck 
you know, kind of shooting up. Because <laughs> that was the goal. I know those aha moments, brother. I've been there. I've I've looked into the eyes of so many beautiful souls when we've had revelations and we re and we you're feeling like you're at the center of this universe and everybody in the collective is connected to that feeling and everyone is shooting through this you know this spiritual cathartic energy that's emanating out of you and you can see the solutions like you can see the balance and and harmony being restored and homeostasis and you know that everyone's I, I i always visualize the soil just becoming filled with microbes and biotics and worms and and all kinds of animals and then all of a sudden i i see people's lower intestines and and their you know their gut starting to evolve and i can see the epithelial layers reforming and all the holes starting to fill up and I'm, and I just get this like feeling like every, everything is coming together, and then those moments sometimes just there's there's it just kind of evaporates, and then you wake up the next day and you're back to the same routine. And I know that's the feeling that everyone has. Everyone's on that hamster wheel, and that's why time seems to go by so much faster. That's why time is an illusion because you're stuck on some Gregorian calendar that's filled with January through December, 52 weeks out of the year. You got this person's birthday. You got this holiday over here. You got a three-day weekend here. And it's like this, this becomes so routine and it removes us from being so present that we don't even remember to breathe anymore. We're, we're, we've lost the intention of breath. And so hearing this and feeling like I'm not alone, like I'm not the only one out there. And that connection is so critical. I My background is epigenetics, biochemistry, understanding how the human body works. But the most important you know, factor of health is, being, is thriving through connection. Humans need to connect. And one of the best or if not the main medium of connection is growing your own food, being connected to the soil and knowing that you are part of something and you are showing up for people. This is what true currency is. That's the current. That's the energy. That's what abundance is. That's what money is. And when we can embody those things, our health change, our ability to digest changes, our ability to eliminate changes, our neurochemistry, our brain chemicals, our immunological defense systems that's working 24-7, the way you approach your dental health, your emotional health, all of these things evolve. I'm right there with you, and I want to be part of this in any capacity. And I and I also want to talk to you about sourcing raw materials for our insane line of yes. alchemical products that are in 30 countries right now. And I don't know if you know, I'm head of nutrition of multiple world number one athletes. Um, we're expanding. Yeah, I would love to. yeah, I'm gonna send you a bunch of stuff. Th this is not about products. This is about learning and stepping into your own power and sovereignty. This is about going back to the farms. This is about learning soil sciences, learning about the seed. When you plant a seed, you don't just plant the seed and, and take off. No, you plant the seed and you stay with it and you nourish it and you love it. It is communicating. There's a documentary called The Secret Life of Plants. Everyone go watch that. Go read the book. J just a simple house fern. Not, not, not to mention the type of biotics that you're working with over there. So what, what is, what, what's happening right now in your world and your realm today as we speak that is just the absolute best news of all time? Uh, so today I just got off, I just was on the Amanda Sage vision train this morning and it's so awesome. It was a huge zoom room with all, I mean, I was just like scrolling through all the different pages of beautiful faces. I made everybody turn on their video and, and I just feel so confident that, that, you know, my, my dear friend, Zach Zeidman used to say to me, he used to say to me, I used to like download all the visions I was having and he would just stop me. He's like, Stephen, 
don't worry. I'm seeing the same movie. And so many of us are also just different parts and in different focus. You know, we're all somewhere on the spectrum. We're all somewhere on the spectrum of this, of this global wake up, you know, and, and we're so not alone and it doesn't matter what we do, you know, knowing that there's so many people around us that it's, it's inevitable. It's kind of like the whack-a-mole, you know, that thing where you try to whack the mole. It's like, this is us like trying to bring consciousness with all the different ways and all the different entities are trying to bat us down, but eventually we're going to rise. Why? Because practical solutions can't be suppressed only for a little while. We are emerging righteousness will prevail. There's no other way. <laughs> oh, yes. I love it. If you don't know who Amanda Sage is, uh, she's just a brilliant, delightful, spiritual little creature who's one of the most enigmatic artists in the world. She actually sent me a a, a real Rudolf Steiner painting about a year and a half ago that I've broadcasted everywhere. And everything you just said, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like The wave is coming. The wave is here. And so I love the concept of practical solutions. That's a biodynamic principle. It's like, let's let's address things practic with practicality and let's be pragmatic with our approach, how we approach you know, our cosmology, how we approach germination, how we approach the systems, how we approach the soil, how we create a closed loop system so everything is thriving and operating. There's a, there's a methodology to this madness and it, does, and it doesn't have to be coming from some outside agency. We already know the steps. So do you feel... In your situation down there, do you feel like you're going even further into your mastery, your bot, you know, botany perspective? Are there things that we're learning and discovering every single day, or is it more oh, yeah. of learning more ancient stuff, or is it merging science with where we are with the ancients? I would say one of the exciting things that's happening is every day at Punzamona, every meal, there are ingredients connecting for the first time in humanity. <laughs> that's the best ever. It's yes. amazing. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. That's alchemy, um, right? Yeah. And it's funny you say alchemy because I would say for me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good at some things, but what I'm really good at is the story is, is seeing the big picture and the alchemy and the confidence and the faith to actually do it. What I would like to leave everybody here watching, what I would say is like, get practical, get on land. This is a land movement. We need the global redesign. We need to redesign our earth, but on the land, we need to do yoga and we need to meditate and we need to eat well, but we need to get on the land. What is the commute like to your best friend's house? How can you tweak that? You know, there's no limit to this dream. This is Dream as big as you possibly can, write it down, and then execute it. Who do you want to do it with? Where do you want to do it? What's the criteria? What are the next steps? This, Make it happen. Th this, is, this is back to um, that word. What was it? Energy return on energy invested. Uh, it's it's right. right? So uh -huh. we, we only have so much time during the day. How much time are you spending in your car? How much time are you spending wasting it doing X, Y, Z? Really look in the mirror. Do some, practice some discernment with self, not judgment. Judgment is based on fear. Look at yourself in the mirror. Look at your efficiencies. Look where you can gain more time during your day and see how practical momentum. So what, what Stephen just talked about, breath work, moving your body, grounding to the earth, discharging that crazy non-native electromagnetic frequencies we're all bathing in back into the earth, which suppresses runaway free radicals, you know, 
getting more into sync with your with your entire system. Neutrality, neutrality, homeostasis, balance, where you're not jumping from parasympathetic to sympathetic to sympathetic to parasympathetic, back and forth, and then trying to fill the holes with you know coffee or trying to fill the holes. Get into a, a relationship with the foods that you eat. Have intention when you use something. If you smoke tobacco, maybe you're getting your tobacco from the islands. Maybe you're getting tobacco from someone that you knew grew it. And maybe you're, you're breathing that smoke out and you're looking at it as the intention of connecting to the spirit of the tobacco plant, as opposed to just doing, doing, doing. We've got, we've gone into human doing when we should be being. So I love these practical steps. These are things that I talk about all the time. I love, I love the idea that through efficiencies, we can cr then create room and space to grow and take us where we want to go. So we're not feeling bad about ourselves because everyone, everyone knows truly if they're happy or not. And being in denial about your present just makes you want to turn more into escapism, right? So I want to, I want to kind of lead into that and then we can kind of flow out of this. There's a lot of escapism in this world. And I, it's not surprising to know why people are looking to escape. Their bodies are falling apart. Their biochemistry's off. They have probably were you know, raised in a traumatic situation. They've been part of the, you know, Western allopathic medical mafia system since day one. They're part of the school, you know, I'm just keeping it real. They're part of the school system, which is not based on developing faculties. It's based on indoctrination and fear and structure and all those things that are so um, reversing the epigenetic code of a child's ability to expand. That's the, you know, that's the Waldorf method is that you don't force indoctrination. You let them work things out themselves and let them experience things themselves. You let them experience the food forest and looking at a bird and looking at animals and having those visceral expressions. So we're going to escapism and the mainstream is doing the best job. They're, they're hitting you with the fear porn. They're hitting you with everything that you possibly can to take you out of your current reality. And that's just the, 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 the default network in full effect. When I'm on the land in Kauai, when I'm in, in Wainu Pichu and we're on San Pedro and we're with the shaman and we're going deep into the magic of the land, I'm so hyper present. Every breath, every, every, you know, bird, every bird that comes by me, I'm connecting to it. Every nuance of every communication I have with my brothers and sisters is so heartfelt. Those days, those weeks feel like centuries. Why? Because I'm, I'm ultra present in every moment and I'm not escaping. Would you say, based on what you're doing down there and how you see the world, that getting present with who you are, where you are, why you are, might be the main faculty to take you into a step of doing something similar like you're doing or at least joining an effort somewhere? I think there's you know different ritual and different practices that we could incorporate into our individual realities, but also into our communities realities uh, that really connects us with our food. Like every day at Punta Mona before our lunch and dinner, we all hold hands and stop and breathe. And, and it's a moment for sharing and it's, it's a moment of ritual and intention. You know, I think, I think what this is all this interesting merger of efficiency and it's intention, you know, it's like, we kind of just endure this idea of enduring the way things are and things are the way they are, but they don't need to be this way anymore. And we collectively create our realities. Like we, you know, and, and alone, we can only do so much, but as we figure out ways to work together, which no communities fail because of the gray water system, right. communities fail because we can't get along. We can't make decisions. We can't, 
You know, we have too much ego and too much, you know, selfishness happens, you know, so. So communication, so communications, like a, one of the main directives over there. Yeah. I mean, communication is crucial. And, you know, and also just like having a vision and having a, a mission and having clear benchmarks of what we're trying to accomplish. Like, I feel like what we've done here has gotten us to the point where people, you know, really trust what we do, you know, financially, the, the people that have invested to the communities that we've created, like, this isn't like, uh, this isn't like some commodities market, or this isn't some like, you know, how can I get app. rich off this? Or, you know, no, how, you can't, yeah. I mean, in some way, no, like, I know. This is app. This right, is right. like real land people yeah. that have had their lives changed and children who are raising and being raised in a way in a school that's so radically different. These are fruit trees that we can walk around and eat from, you know, it, it's so I think that this is just a whole other, it's just a whole other level of, of, of design, you know, and I think this idea of creating this replicable model that then we can go and take, and we can do it in the Philippines. Hey, we could do it in Sri Lanka. We could do it in Ecuador. We could do it in Peru. And then I think through the success, I think then, then we could start doing it in San Diego and we can start doing it in Virginia. And we can say, you know, I think it's been an interesting you know, reality, the U S and just the, this capitalist model that's, you know, made things so difficult, difficult to do, you know, but I think if we, you know, like I said, practical solutions can't be suppressed. Like if we do this and, you know, and I also think like really rooting in this, what is success? Like, Success is how many people's lives can you radically improve? Boom. That's it. That's you know, it. My, my neighbor, Patty, my, my old Caribbean neighbor used to say, boy, you can't take it with you to the burying ground, boy. So uh, just be really nice. Oh, brother. That's a, that's a beautiful reflection. You know, what you resist and what you is what you persist. And I, I think we're in that state where the old systems are crumbling. They're failing. You know, we have disruption all over the place. And people are really starting to see what real true abundance is. And it's not this, you know, in order for me to succeed, you must fail. That seemed to have been serving us in the late 70s and 80s based on, you know, the political regimes that took over and suppressed the mouthpiece of the people. And now it's the the hearts of, you know, and the children of those people that were suppressed are now the ones that are expanding and having babies themselves. And it's it's amazing to see the generation starting to wake up because, you know, to be real, you really look at the data and look at the systems, you know, a lot of things are failing right now. A lot of people are, you know, a lot of people are hurting and in pain and feeling alone. And so this is getting us back to what we had forgotten. And I, I, I'm a big supporter of anyone that's doing something from the heart. And anything that you do from the heart, the abundance follows. So instead of this, like, I got to make money, I got to make money, I got to make money. It's more like, I got to do what I love. And, and through that love and through that passion, the side effect is abundance. Just like your physique, you know, the side effect of having a good physique or excuse me, of eating healthy and movement is a good physique. So it's really putting your priorities and your intention where they need to go. And for me, looking at your situation that you got down there, which is really your, if you really look at it, you're living in full Dharma. This is some type of heaven on earth. And there's a lot of people today that are projecting, you know, some type of ascension somewhere else. You know, there's, they're in some type of dogmatic belief system where it's like, okay, I'm just going to live like this right now, but 
if I follow this, this, and this, I'm going to ascend to some heaven far over there. And that's their vision of paradise when ultimately vision of paradise is how you feel, operate, and who you connect with and whose lives you change here. This is your heaven. This is your hell. And I'd love everyone to get to know you more. And there is, you know, your show came out with, uh, with Zach and Darren down to earth on Netflix. Please go check that out. I plan on doing one with you, brother. Uh, we're talking to HBO right now and a few other, uh, big carriers that want to do some documentaries with me and some of my athletes. And I think a big part of that is getting them on the land is getting them down there. And for us to really go and talk deep onto, you know, what we're facing today and what we're doing about it. And any, any way that I can, um, support you, I'm all in. We've, we've obviously been energetically weaving for at least 10, 15 years now, since I was a kid, since my late teens. And I'm all about everything that you stand for. I want to really quick read a passage by Rudolf Steiner. And are you familiar with Steiner's work? Do you have you? You are? Okay. So, um, you know, his anthroposophy and, or his depiction of anthroposophy um, has been one of the main carriers in my vessel vessel in terms of my energy, in terms of my love, in terms of my ability to manufacture real empathy. And I think it's through growing food, carrying and nurturing a seed that a child really manufactures, you know, neuro neurotransmitters, but also at the core of it manufactures empathy and be, and you see it in the spiritual community. I mean, all the time, I'm an empath, I'm an empath. I feel everything. I feel everyone's emotions around me. But I'm talking about real, raw, to the bone empathy where you actually give a F about people and you give a F about this world and you give a F about something that's greater than you because you are ultimately part of that main system. And I, I, I just want to commend you and honor you for what you're doing and the lives that you're impacting because what you're doing is there's no word for it. It's not special. It's not out of this world. I'm not here to just toot your horn. I mean it. And I, I don't throw words around just to throw them around. I'm just having a nice conversation with a, with a, with a soul brother. And I really honor what, what you're doing for the world. It's, it's my greatest gift is, is what you're doing and, and the education around it and the knowledge and just the, the power of it. And we are, we're always filming at, at Noni land over in Kauai and we're always with the, you know, Kauai pharmacy guys and we're walking the land, you know, Doug over at Kauai pharmacy. I don't know. I don't know. They got a big Ayurvedic and TCM garden on the North shore. And they're just, it's that same vibe that, you know, everything that we have to survive is there for us. It's just, we just got to do it and get the, get the system in place. So if there's anything else that you want to add to this, I can, I can talk probably another five hours and start getting into some (laughs) of the details. I think we'll do that on a later episode. Um, but is, if there's anything, anything legacy left that you want to share with this audience, that's obviously going to be super motivated. Please throw it out there, brother. Yeah, I would just say don't endure. You know, press pause right now. Hit the negative sign on the Google map of your life. <laughs> Where are you today? Where do you want to be in a year? Where do you want to be in five years? What do you want to be in twenty years? What are they going to say about you when you're lying in the box? Well said. You know? Yeah, those are real. That's real, right? Yeah. How can we be intentional about our legacy? How can we hone in on our legacy? How can we bring good, bring righteousness, heal ecosystems, improve people's lives? That's all. That's all. That, that's, that's richness. 
Wow, that's like almost the um, the translation of the artwork I have here, which is ancient Zoroastrian, which is the Ahura Mazda. This is the first faith 6,000 years before Christ. This is where my bloodline comes from, this body I incarnated in. And it's Ahura Mazda speaking through Asha. Are you familiar with Zoroastrianism? Not really. I'm familiar very little. Very little. So it's all about, you know, the it's the realm of earth and the cosmology and and the energy between the the sun moon and the soil and everything is living embodiment through that so asha is all of nature and uhura mazda tell, tells asha through through nature through the soil through the water through the sun don't be righteous just to be righteous be righteous to feel into your your span here this brief span on this in this capacity or this dimension with with the faculties you have to honor everyone and to honor your righteousness by really helping. And so what you just said is literally the depicted from an ancient scroll that I have written on my arm. So I thought that was pretty powerful. <laughs> I love it. I was actually reading your arm while, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were, you're you're <laughs> beautiful. Man. I know I mean, it's, it's evident. It's clear. The future is bright. I have so much faith and I'm excited to connect with whoever's watching. We're, we're here ready to receive you in Costa Rica, Pura Vida. Pura Vida. So th this, is, this, this is kind of the epitome. Do not fall for the darkness in terms of everything's effed up and where everything's screwed up. No, 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 no. That's all an illusion. It's all right there in front of us. We can make changes and people are doing it just like you are, Stephen Brooks. I, I honor you to the fullest. Um, I'd like to do our family prayer right now with you. You can. This is our family prayer that we do all over South America. We do it in Kauai. Um, this is we hold hands around food and we speak this into the food that is about to go into our body. I mean, what a what a weird concept. Are you ready to do this with me? Ready, ready. Okay, here we go. So hands up. So we go through this food, through this food, and the best family ever, and the best family ever. We give ourselves strength. We give ourselves strength and hold ourselves high and hold ourselves high in the light that surrounds us in the light that surrounds us. And that's within our hearts. And that's within our hearts for this food is the water. This food is the water from the spring of life from the spring of life. Hi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an honor, brother. Thank, Thank you, you so much, man. That was awesome. And that was just exactly what people need to hear right now. And we're going to keep, keep this going, man. Excellent. Excellent. So much love, brother. Aho. Big, big love. Thank you for being on Wake the Fake Up. This is Stephen Brooks and Shervine. We out. Gratitude family for tuning in today and deep reverence to you all for dedicating your time to seeking knowledge and truth. This is what it's all about. You can find more of my podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts. You can also find this on my website at wakethefakeup.com. Life is all about momentum. Please leave a review so I can hear your experiences and share with your friends, family, and anyone who needs to hear this message. This is a revolution of consciousness. This is just the beginning. I am all in. I'll be back next week for another epic conversation. Stay tuned, family. Big love.